0: السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته أهلا وسهلا ومرحبا بكم جميعا أيها المستمعين والمستمعات Subhanallah! It's so lovely to say that in the new year, Alhamdulillah, as we go into our the beginning of the new Subhanallah year. Well, most of us, you know, might think that this is not the new year for us Islamically, but the reality is that you know there is a change, and Alhamdulillah, we are now going to change our you know focus, develop ourselves, Inshaallah, and build our relationship with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. It's lovely to be back on Hayatun tayyiba, Inshaallah, and I'm so happy today, Inshaallah, to be discussing a few important topics. And most importantly, we are now preparing for the istiqbal of Ramadan. And all our shows and our segments are going to be, you know, uh, making sure that we are welcoming Ramadan in the most beautiful manner, inshaAllah. Right now, alhamdulillah, and hayatun tayyibah As we always focus on building a life that is free, a life that is pure, a life that is, you know, balanced and full of spirituality, subhanAllah. So we are looking at our lives in different perspectives, from our relationships, to our spirituality, to our mental development. But most importantly, subhanAllah, we always are finding the imani tools to build us and to allow us, subhanAllah, to gain a closeness to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so welcome back to hayat with myself Malima Shakira Hunter here at radio islam international and alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah today we are going to be speaking to sister naila kaji and sister naila kaji she you know uh, uh, is, is going to be speaking to us about communication in relationships and you know oftentimes when you, when you think about communication we always look at it from the point of view of um, the point of view of the of a marriage, but there are so many different relationships that we all go through every day. We are going through relationships in, with you know, with our children with our parents with our siblings with our peers with our people at the workplace and unfortunately, when we don't know how to communicate communicate ourso- ourselves and communicate in a way that expresses ourselves uh, properly, what happens is We tend to hide what we feel or we tend to feel so frustrated because we cannot adequately express what we are feeling. So Sister Naila, she has started her career in retail and she also worked as a corporate coach and she currently facilitates an accredited life coaching course under the umbrella of ALC. She focuses specifically on women and teen daughters, and her focus is mindfulness in relationships. Inshallah, we're going to be chatting to her uh, in the first segment of the show, and later on, Inshallah, we are going to be looking at you know our Quran in our relationship with our Quran as we prepare. Ramadan. SubhanAllah, I can't explain to you, I cannot tell you the excitement that I currently feel as we are, you know, moving and sleeping towards the month of of the Qur'an. And so, subhanAllah, there is no better way for us to prepare for this month than in preparation for what the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have some fascinating discussions coming up all with regards to the kalam of Allah, and I hope you enjoy it. I hope you take down some notes, inshallah, and I hope you prepare yourself, because, you know, one one possible way to prepare for Ramadan is the preparation of getting closer to the Qur'an, understanding this Qur'an and where it's come from and what is, what, what, it, what you know, the, the massive journey that's undergone until it comes to me in my home. And subhanallah, when you are going to be reciting it in Ramadan, this connection will develop you and allow you, inshallah, to, to recite the Quran with a love and a deep mahabba inshallah, so we are looking forward to a year inshallah where we develop together where we build ourselves together inshallah and inshallah the most importantly we develop our relationships so that we are not walking around with toxicity and we are not entering the malban with a, in in a way that we are you know negative or we are looking at our relationships and we are and it is breaking us down so alhamdulillah to start of the new year, we are looking at communication, and I'm just going to check with my with my um engineers, is Sister Naila online? Inshallah, while we wait for Sister Naila to get to to, uh, to join us online Inshallah, we will now, you know, focus on this understanding what is communication. Is she online Inshallah. Okay, Bismillah Sister Naila assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wa barakatuh welcome to Radio Stam International and to Hayatun tayyiba. Wa sister, and to the audiences where well the listeners. <laughs> Jazakallah for joining us. I know today is a, it's a holiday, so it's time to rest a little bit, at the last resting of the holidays, but Jazakallah, Allah reward you abundantly. Uh, sister Naina, oh, you know, goodness. alhamdulillah, I've just been speaking about your, your your bio, and alhamdulillah, it's a beautiful, I love the concept of mindfulness. Can you tell our our listeners a little bit about why mindfulness is so important to you? um my own personal experience and journey and obviously of my clients uh, which was that made the shift in my life is that as human beings we operate from our conditioning you know what has happened in the past in our subconscious and we're not really aware of what we're experiencing in the present moment so it takes really um you know, a mindset, a shift to choose that I want to be present and that I'm not experiencing this moment from my past, Mm. if if that makes sense, you know, just the awareness of of showing up in our lives and um, not judging what we're experiencing from what is really, but but operating like human doings. I think we often do that, you know, we, our conditioning, where we come from, what's been said to us. Um, through parents, people that we hold in high regard, uh, our teachers, madresa apas. And this is not blame, it's just understanding, you know, the dynamic of the human. So for me, that was very important because, um, we often react to, to situations and challenges in life, uh, from where we come from. So it's our cockroaches and it hasn't much got to do with what we're experiencing in over the other person. So that is why mindfulness for me is, Is extremely important. Mm. So, you know, this takes us to the understanding that when you look at a child, you know, their well-being is so influenced by many things. And the most important being the parent-child relationship, right? And so I've seen, you know, with my own journey, when once you you go into this parenting, you don't realize how much of your own childhood just suddenly starts triggering you and starts, you know, shaping your parenting Mm -hmm. skills. So, what is your opinion? Do you feel that as a parent, we have to, you know, deal with those issues that are triggering us in being mindful with our children? Yes, most definitely. Um, It plays a big role, you know, in maintaining a healthy relationship because I think we as parents take on the role so seriously of being a parent. So that means providing, you know, uh, shelter, clothes, uh, food, all of that. But a parenting role is not only the role that you play because we become very rigid. We must focus more on the relationship that we're building with our children. Right. So they, they, they're they more in need of, you know, you'll find mothers say and, you know, less us want to guide us because um, it is tedious while we focusing on parenting a child, for instance, or multiple children, we don't even know who we are. And we don't know what our yeses and nos in life is. And if I think maybe from the culture that we come from, you know, Islamic uh, boundaries and having that people's pleasing attitude. you We just want our moms to be happy with us, our fathers, mm-hmm. the aunt in the family, the mm-hmm. judgment. And then we show up instead of parenting, like being a conscious parent is also parenting your inner child. <laughs> Because we can focus on the needs of our own needs, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, forgetting that uh, your child is your mirror or you are the mirror to your child, you know. So if we can shift that and focus on love and connection, I hear you, I see you, I understand Mm you, I'm here for you, you know, provide that security which gives a place of safety and also build self-confidence, you know. And then this child feels more purposeful. And this is the very foundation of how they will conduct their relationships in life and interact with their partners in future. And inshallah, determine their parenting style. Because what didn't work for them, they can change. Mm, so true. <laughs> and I can unpack more. Yeah. <laughs> No, definitely. <laughs> you, you, you know, I, I actually am fascinated about this topic simply because we, we don't realize that, you know, a lot of times we look back and we see the harm caused, but we don't look at our current self and think about what am I doing and how am I impacting my uh. own children. Do you feel that, you, you know, a lot of people are not aware of what they are actually doing currently? No, most definitely. We're on default mode. As I said, we're so focused on um, just doing the right thing, but the right thing for who? Mm -hmm. You know, Um, we, we compare ourselves to our families, to our sisters, how their children are raised, what their daughters do. But your daughter might have different strengths and weaknesses than your sister's daughter. And what works for us in our home, like eating together, having open conversations, they might want to go out into nature. But we're so confused that we look around us and for approval and, you know, that need comes from our childhood the need for the need that's unmet and we just unconsciously roll that over. So we need to pause. We need to sit with our partners. We need to plan. It's almost like um, I would say I, comp- I was a corporate coach for many, many years and I saw that working and the impact on the individual's lives. So I mm. often compare that, that why in the workplace do we set goals and we measure our outputs and we change, you know, strategies. But when we run a home and family, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. So, if we have visions, you know, um, and everything aligned and open conversations, because as parents, from our own experience, when children come to us and they challenge us, we we, we want to avoid certain topics and, you know, we think it's going to go away. Instead mm-hmm. of inviting the, the role play of two-way communication, perhaps, not just top down. Mm-hmm. And this no. way we establish that bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So I'm listening. So, sorry, I'm so passionate no, I just carry yeah, on I'm and on and on I'm enjoying it, I'm enjoying <laughs> it I just, You know, I, it's always when you're on radio you have so much of, of questions and I have so much of, you know, things that no. I want to, I, I, to get, it from this yeah. conversation no, so me. Well. <laughs> no, no problem at all, well. I love it, you know, subhanAllah that, that is a true, you know, reflection of somebody who loves their work, you know, that passion that shines through <laughs> Sister Naila, <laughs> I just wanted to ask you Allah has blessed you with a teenage daughter, right? And you probably can understand now having your teenage daughter, how important your mom was to you, right? So can you tell us yes. why specifically is this relationship between a mom and a daughter so much more important? And as a mother to your teenage daughter, do you feel like it's different, the relationship compared with, with the father? Um, Yes. And no. So I think it's become now more in this day and age that we establish that same bond with our sons as well because, uh, you know, with the systematic breakdown in global society and the messages that children are getting, they're really challenging us because Mm -hmm. they're much more enlightened. They read. They have self-development through the press of a button and they have all these social media handles and so many different messages are coming. Whereas when we were growing up, up. We knew it was law and order. Top management say, you do so because I said so. On Sundays we go and visit yeah. <laughs> family and we were okay with that. When visitors come, you make the cup of tea and we can go on and on and on, you know. Right. And you but disappear. The <laughs> importance, yeah, the importance of a mother and a daughter, the bond and may we call it connection, the establishment gives this girl child a greater sense of meaning. Right? Well being, the security, the safety, and also adventure. Because if we don't establish that, we're going to get the child with poor self esteem, um, maybe depression and anxiety, commitment Mm -hmm. issues. And I mean, we can't unpack this in this interview, you know, or this discussion so deeply. Also, You know, they will conduct themselves poorly, so they won't show up with its strength that this is who I am. I know what my values are at home. No matter you, so many can be different from me, but I can still practice what I believe in without feeling less than. Mm-hmm. Um, we do take from our mothers, but we also become our mothers, you know, and yes. for, me, for I feel working with women is that sometimes we want to get so away from the stuff that was not so pleasant for us in our upbringing, the disconnection between mom and I. So I am much harder on my daughter because I have those expectations from her, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you yes. know, and I break down our relationship. I break down communication. Mm -hmm. So we need to have a framework of how we set boundaries, you know, how we, how, you know, communication is always there and what do we, what are we communicating and what are we projecting from ourselves and having these high expectations, but we haven't even worked uh, at the foundation of this. Right, right. So it's just about being present, you know, just about, knowing what's happening and getting into your child and matching them with their energy and Mm -hmm. you know all of these buzzwords but you have to empower yourself we must become hungry for knowledge you know and try different things because one size don't fit all we know that we were four sisters we're so different (laughs) and I have one daughter Mm -hmm. and I felt I totally messed it up you know because Mm -hmm. I had three sons before her Mm -hmm. and that was so different yeah, but it's never too late. It's never, you know, you Definitely. <laughs> I'm just love because we yeah. also have our four sisters and we used to always you know, we you look at us, we're all so different but so unique. And I and I always think about mm-hmm. that's my mom, like how did she know how to parent each one of us differently? And the relationship between each one of us were her was so unique. So, um Naila, oh, I, when now when you when you look at moms now, you know, the one complaint that's universal is that the challenge of speaking to a teenager, communicating to a is almost impossible. Right? My, my sister was visiting me yesterday, and she just laughed. She's like, "I don't even know anymore." <laughs> I just have to breathe, and my son goes crazy. So, how can you? How can we break this barrier? You know, this, this 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 common 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 problem. But you want to be communicating with them, right? You want to open those channels, but they somehow are resisting that. So, how do we do that? Yeah, I think we as parents should just turn the focus inside out. I have parents that walk out of my practice when they come to me, but if you speak to teenagers, all of them will tell you it's impossible to talk to their mothers too. (laughs) This is just a crucial stage, you know, and I often say when we can make a break, we can make and break a child during that period. Remember, they are so confused, they want to please you, they want to be you, and then they have all these internal changes happening, and they have the external stuff, like the judgment from the aunt, oh, she doesn't talk, teach her daughter anything, she can't even bake a cake yet, or whatever, yeah. so I think if we just become still, you know, mm-hmm. and assist them during this time when they're experiencing things, like, really harshly, Um The the parent finds them weird. We find them weird. People talk these Mm. things. Oh, wait, they're good now. When they come to teenagers, they're going to bang the doors. But guess what? If you believe that, it's a limiting Mm. belief, then you're going to experience that. So all they need is honestly your support, your understanding to get through this confusing stage. And if you invest nice. in them, then you really will reap the rewards thereof mm-hmm. it 's not easy I know it 's very t- mm-hmm. it's very tiring because all of a sudden you have a stranger in your home, um, but we should learn to listen to them because we use too much words in our communication and and words takes up 7% of communication if we want to go that route, you know. Mm-hmm. 55% is body language. Get in your child, understand, see if they're awkward. Sometimes they will tell you, mommy, I can't deal with this now. I wouldn't want to speak. But we enter that room and we go on and on and on until we don't get tired. Mm-hmm. I was, and I like I was just they don't listen to you about that, about overreacting. You know, yeah. we always do that. You know, we small yeah. little things we go crazy and, and you know, these accidents do happen but these our reactions are just you know, so how does these overreactions hurt our relationship? So it it harms it because they switch off and they don't listen. Mm-hmm. And thirty thirty eight percent is the voice or tone. It's not very often what we say to them. They're open to that. But it's the demeanor that we speak to them. You know, I'm already angry, so I would say, um, clean your room tidy your room or you or you come and you say the negative thing. Um, mm-hmm. you're lazy and we think they're gonna become all of a sudden, you know, they're gonna jump up <laughs> And work, mm-hmm. but you're affirming that, so we we must focus on catching them doing things right more often than focusing on what they 're doing wrong mhm because that that breaks that breaks them you know continuous criticism um they don 't feel secure in themselves, they feel they are constant um uh, you know, you're disapproving of them, and they're constant disappointment to you. So we should apply emotional intelligence as well, you know, and and, and see what they feel. And make, like I always use examples, say for instance, you want the washing pact and you're not going to use your, your sunshine, happy-go-lucky, playful child to do that because 10 to 1, she will be throwing... <laughs> But <laughs> no, cent it, it's not going to happen. You're going to use a right. child that's more serious to conduct that, you know. So it's yeah. all about matching them with their energy, you know. Um, I think we, as parents, we 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 have we don't we need to parent our inner child and know what our needs are, and often ask ourselves, what am I thinking in this moment? What am I feeling? What am I actually saying? And what is my output? What if I say this? How is it going to impact my child? And it, it's tiring in the beginning. But if you train yourself to do that, you have so much better results. Hmm. Um, so, they're 18 so years they in our know. homes, you know. Right. Right. I'm sorry to interject. I'm just no, no, you I can I just wanted speak. to ask you, just to ask you, now, when you, you know, you're opening these communication lines and you, as you're saying, and so rightly so, that it's only 18 years, you know, it's kind of like, and afterwards, you know, we, we, we really don't have a choice and we don't have a say after that sometimes. So, Mm. How important is it to maintain boundaries is what I'm looking at. You want to be open, but you don't also want to allow them to step all over them to left. respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really think it comes down to the communication again, how we, how we speak things. So say, for instance, your, your child does something wrong and you don't approve. Look, life situations is going to happen. Challenges are going to be there. There is no perfectness and we're all working process. But if such a situation shows up, let us speak wisely. If we tell a child, you always come clumsy. That child's not going to want to be better. We use exaggerations. You never listen. When it comes Mm. to the boundary, I feel that if you have family values, you know, which is normally based on our Islamic core values, you know, we're honest and open with one another. You know who your parents are. There's respect. You don't speak when they speak, but you can voice your opinion as well. And we listen to them. So what we give them, we'll get back. When they go out in the world, they would want to be around you. They will want you in their life because minimum 18 years and they go study and they get married or whatever. But for the 30 years, you could have a friendship with them with the boundaries in place. So I think we're very rigid like... If to say, uh, if we make rules, it's, right. it's top down. I, mm. But if we can get their buy-in, if we can discuss things with them, if we can, our communication can come more from a questioning uh, approach, like if your daughter Fatima says she, she can go with a car because we bought it, she's got a license in, and so you can ask, okay, but how how does that suit you being without a mahram? If something happens to you, do you think Allah. Because I say aim to please Allah. Mm. Never mind your parents, we make a lot of mistakes, you know. Yes. Allow them also to get feedback, to give feedback, because they feel very alone and very judged and very disappointed by us. And if we don't invest in them, in that, years that they're in your home. And they don't feel this is a place where I'm safe, where I can voice my opinions. Then the repair work later is so much harder. Mm, so we don't you. actually have a choice. You know, we, we need to keep communication skills open. And to answer your question, because I say a lot, if mm. the values are in place, because we have mm. common values as a family, then right. the boundaries doesn't have to be communicated so, so, so strongly. And lots of us speak about boundaries. Boundaries are not to build walls around us. It's just actually communicating how you feel about things, the emotion, asking somebody when you do that, it makes me feel that way. And if you keep doing that, there will be a consequence. And this should be our parenting style. You know, um, we shouldn't be afraid of our children either. Right. And we shouldn't be defensive when they give us feedback. You know, we must know these things and, uh. (laughs) <laughs> sorry, I know we, we, are, we are moving towards our 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 first ad break, but I just want to ask you to wrap it up, inshallah. I, alhamdulillah I've enjoyed it so much and benefited as well, inshallah. I hope all our <laughs> listeners do too as well. Okay. This means, you know, I think multiple discussions because it's such a you know, it's such an important skill for us to build. and uh, mean as you yeah. said, it's not something constant, something that we have to constantly be working at. So uh, Naila, yeah. you as a life coach, there's such a vast, vast field out there. Why specifically did you choose to focus on this one? Between mother and teenage daughter. Okay. So I've had a lot of moms. Calling me, I work a lot with teenagers, and that was first my my niche. And then the moms call me like it's almost like a drop-off center, and they, why oh, I must just fix their daughter, you know, <laughs> I must fix them. And as I speak to them, I come to the realization that, mommy, you actually need to come to me. Mm, mm, <laughs> and most of the so I have. Yeah. So, and you, how do you communicate this? So, I soon realized that I need to narrow this gap um, and to ensure that the mom and the child speaks the same language. Because yeah, I empower your daughter with skills, with uh, tools. You know, uh, she knows her yeses and knows and who she is and who her mother is. And then, the, then it's from the bottom that the pressure goes up. So you don't mm-hmm. want to break up families. You want mom right. to also understand that, you know, I have to give respect to receive respect. I have to, it's a two way. So that's how I started working. Also to take it a little further, if we look at our history of families that breaks down, if you get the mom, um, you know, settled in and she's not so needy, because let's face it, our Muslim girls get married, um, to have a halal, um, relationship, right? They want to court. They want to, you must take them to the movies and some, many times, many so often, it's a wake-up call because you're behind the Mm. stove, you're pregnant, you're serving Mm. on in-laws and all of that. So I thought if I can get women more grounded, you know, and they feel whole and complete and they're less needy and that will have a ripple effect and they will heal families so that we break this generational pattern Because Mm. now she has so many needs from her husband. He must take her out. He must be the father that she didn't really have that connection that she didn't have with her brother, you know. And the the pressure is just too much. Right. So if we can get the girl child to sort of conduct or manage that, you know, um, and have a better relationship with her brother, her dad, her boy cousin, her uncle, then inshallah the aim is to sort of heal families as a whole. Mm Because like I said, we we can never um, avoid conflict and challenges, you know, but if we empower it with the tools and we practice emotional intelligence and we step up into awareness, you know, then we will choose ourselves in situations and then it will be a win-win situation in the end. Mm -hmm. This was my aim. That's so lovely, and it, and it, and you know what? It's it's really mm-hmm. something deep. You know, that's what it shows us. A parenting and the, the the difficulties that you're going through with your with your teenage child is not necessarily something just off, you know on the surface. It's something so much deeper. And that is why you have to heal and you know take that initiative. May Allah reward your abundantly, yeah. That's really really incredible. And Jazakallah so much. You've benefited mm-hmm. so much in this, in this very short interview. Inshallah, you have to come back to Giza a little bit more. <laughs> Inshallah, it's a pleasure. But, Inshallah. <laughs> Baarakallah fiik I was just after that are we done yes inshallah assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Respected listeners, Alhamdulillah, we've been speaking to Sister Naila Kaji, and Alhamdulillah, it's been such an enlightening discussion. We are at Hayat Mtiva, and today is our first day back for this new year, inshaAllah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to start a year where we communicate and we speak, subhanAllah, in a way that doesn't hurt others, bi ta'ala. We will take a short ad break, and when we get back, inshaAllah, we move on to our second segment. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhabam mikum jami'an, ayyuhal mustami'in wa mustami'at. Beloved listeners of Radio Islam International, welcome back to Hayatum Tayyiba with myself, Malima Shakira Hunter, on this beautiful, beautiful Monday afternoon, Alhamdulillah, the 2nd of January 2023. Alhamdulillah, we have been speaking to Sister Naila Kaji and we are looking at your communication in relationships. And now, SubhanAllah, you could come to my favorite part of the show as always, where we are fo- focusing on our where we ponder and we go, you know, we start focusing on how to we get close to the kalam of Allah and subhanAllah we are building towards the beautiful month of Ramadan. Now, alhamdulillah, I have just come back with my family from a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Umrah. I cannot, subhanAllah, thank Allah, taala enough for such an incredible, incredible time and, you know, I was speaking to my siblings and I said to them, subhanAllah, this has been the best holiday of my life and I've been Umrah in the past subhanallah but this was something else you know taking my kids and it was crazy. We ran around after my son. We had <laughs> we had Safa and Marwa in the opposite directions that time. But Subhanallah it was so beautiful because you know he was teaching them about the shaa'ir of Allah, teaching them about the salient features of Allah. You know, reading in the Safa wal Marwa min Allah, Subhanallah, and actually showing him. And you know, Subhanallah, we would often be in the in the in the hotel, and the Iran would just come to the speakers, and Abad would be fast asleep, and he would literally jump up and ummi, 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 masjid, 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 you know, any word, it would just run out. He wants to go and he wants to be in the haram. And subhanAllah, you know, the, riding the shuttle, getting to the haram, sitting there, it was as if this boy's life was made, subhanAllah. It was so beautiful and so incredibly peaceful for us and healing, healing at the same time. And I thank Allah, taala you know, sitting there, looking at all of those those momentous, momentous places that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed our Habib, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to have grown up there and to take our children and to sit there and just thank Allah for those ni'an. It was incredible. But I think the, more, the most incredible part of it for me was the way that people have changed over the last two, three years post-Corona. People are so different. People are so much softer. You know, everywhere we went, people were kind. People were just you know assisting us. And it was it was so lovely to see that you know at every point somebody was giving out something to somebody. Somebody was sending sweets. Somebody was sharing chocolate. Somebody was and it know you know sitting on the roof at sometimes at nine ten at night and the kids are all running crazy. And, you know, from every single... You know, type of nationality. There were kids from Pakistan, there were kids from Uzbekistan, there were kids from South Africa, there were kids from, uh, you know, local Arab kids, Yemen, and they were all racing and messing the Zamzam I and getting shouting at the same time from the cleaners. But such a such a moment where you understand that these are the salient features of Allah. These are the the places that we need to take our children. They need to have this connection. Subhanallah. They, you know, we we were sitting on in uh, in, in one of the buses and on the under on the, on the wing there was a picture of the carpet. And our dad looks at me and says, omni, 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 Unzuri, Unzuri, And I'm looking like, why is Kaaba? Kaaba? And I'm like, there's no Kaaba, and us. realizing this tiny, tiny, tiny little picture on the bus was something that he noticed that that was the picture of the Kaaba. And this is why we do this, subhanAllah, is to make the deen of Allah something beloved to our children. So I make to ask, uh, subhanAllah, that Allah takes all of us. And Allah allows every one of us to go to his home, take our children, make those sacrifices, whether it's financial, whether it's, you know, physical sacrifices sacrifices and take us there to, you know, show our children where our Habib Muhammad was come from, where the Kalam of Allah has, was revealed, and make those places important to them, subhanAllah. Now, today, you know, alhamdulillah, in preparation for Ramadan, and inshallah, I have a beautiful nasheed that I'm going to be playing out soon, inshallah. Um, we we have, the beautiful nasheed says to us that, you know, Ramadan is coming, you know, it's coming to us soon. And the word that the nasheed says, it says, that let us make the welcome so beautiful and so perfect. Let us make a beautiful welcome for this month of Ramadan. And, and you know, what you think of these words? When you get visitors, you are preparing and you are sorting out and you are ensuring that your home is clean, that the food is perfect, that the setting is perfect, that, you know, the children are well behaved, that the, the drinks are something different, that everything must go must go perfectly because you are getting visitors. And Allah is sending to us the most important visitor and subhanallah let us now use this three months inshallah that we have less than three months to make a beautiful istiqbal a welcome that is so perfect and so inshallah in this segment we are going to be going through the background and the the different sciences and the different beautiful 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 explanations of the Qur'an and the verses of the Qur'an. And I encourage you, inshallah, if you can, take down notes on your phone while you're listening. Make little key points so that you can remember this, inshallah, and you can retain. And then it can, inshallah, you know, encourage you when you are deciding. So today we're going to start off and we're going to focus on understanding what is the Makkan and what is the Magani verses. And you must have observed that these titles in the Qur'an, you know, right at the top of the the surah, you will find there in in Arabic written al-Makkiyah or Madaniyah. And you see that. And we need to know what does this mean. It's quite essential for us to understand it. Now... When you understand that most of the and the commentators of the Qur'an, they explain to us that a Makkan verse means that these were the ayat that were revealed before Nabi Sallallahu arrival to Medina, before his Hijrah, And the Madani verses are after that that period. Now a lot of people think that Makki means something that was revealed in Makkah and Madani meaning it was revealed in Medina. But this is not correct because there are so many other Verses that were revealed in Mecca, although it was after the time of Hijrah. So it doesn't it has to be that it was the immigration that was the uh, the, the, the difference in the revelation. Now, something beautiful is that when the Allah would take you know many, many, many journeys and you would travel hundreds of miles away from Medina, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would you know, reveal ayat of the Quran on those journeys. And yet Nabi sallallahu wasallam, I mean, sorry, those ayat are regarded as madani ayat. So what we understand here, first and foremost, that it is in regards to the timing and not to the place, right? And Nabi sallallahu himself, he didn't actually classify and say this is maki or that is madani. But the sahaba and the tabi'een, those who followed the sahaba, the companions of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa they dedicated their lives to safeguard the words and the meaning of the Qur'an. So, you know, Abdullah bin Mas'ud, anhu, he, you know, he, he said, he said, I swear by the being besides whom there is none worthy of worship, that I know about every verse of the Qur'an, about whom it was revealed and where it was revealed. And Ali, radiallahu anhu, he says, by Allah, I know about every verse, whether it was revealed at night. Or during the daytime, in the plains, or over the mountains. SubhanAllah. So it shows us how important it is for us to understand and gain this connection to the Quran and to the word, the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So when you see that there are the the way the surahs were revealed. And I'm going to speak to you now about the characteristics of this surah, and it's fascinating, inshallah, when you see how different they might be. So there are some surahs that are totally Makkani, there are some that are wholly Madani, and, you know, when you look at Surah Al-Mudassir, the entire surah was Makki, and Surah Al-Imran, the entire surah was Madani. But then there are some that there is a mix of them, you know, that there are some surahs that might be some in Makkah, some in Medina, so then it was classified, by the majority so basically where majority of the ayahs were revealed whether it was before before hijra or after hijra before the immigration or after the immigration that is how it was classified now let's look at some of the characteristics of the Mukkan and madani verses and, you know, subhanAllah, the, the commentators of the Qur'an, they say that there are certain qualities that are specific to either surah. You'll find some surahs have certain things. If they were Makki, and if they were Madani, they have certain qualities that the Makki surahs don't have. And there are some that are quite rigid that you find constantly like that. But in other places, it's not so rigid, right? So let's look at the ones that are quite rigid. So every single surah that has the word, Kalla, the word Kalla, certainly not. There's a reputation. Can you see this word? Kalla, Kalla, that word means certainly not. It's a reputation. Those ayat, those verses are definitely Makan surah, subhanAllah. This word, Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has used it 33 times in 15 surahs. And all of this occur only in the in the second half of the Quran, which is where all the Makki verses are, so you will find it's only is only found in the Makki verses, and there, there a, a, a beautiful poem that was uh, composed by Alama Darini Rahmatul Ali He says. وَمَا نُزِلَتْ كَلَّا بِيَثْرِبًا وَلَمْ فِي الْقُرْآنِ فِي says that the word was not revealed in yathrib, meaning in madina al and it only comes in the second part of the Qur'an, which is where all the Makki verses are, right? Now, that's the first one. The second characteristic is every surah containing a verse about sajda is a Makkan surah. And this obviously is according to Hanafi, because the Hanafi school of thought, we know that there is no verse of sajdah in Surah Al-Hajj. But according to Imam Shafi'i, there is one. So according to the, the Hanafi school of thought, every surah that contains a rule of, uh, of sajdah, every surah except surah hajj, obviously, was in the time of Makkah. Subhanallah. So after Makkah, the command to make sajda was well, now not given give to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then we look at every surah, with the exception of Surah Al Baqarah, which relates to the story of Adam and Iblis, is Makkah, right? So any surah that has the story of Adam and Shaitan in it, whether it is, you know, whichever story when it is describing, except in Surah Baqarah, but the rest of it, it's all in the time, in the period of Makkah before immigration. And then, subhanallah, when the disbelievers immigrated to Medina, so all the ayat before that, were pertaining to the story of Adam, alayhi it was before that period. And then, subhanallah, every surah in which the permission of jihad is given or any rule of jihad is madani, obviously because prior to this, the Muslims were in a different situation. And then, subhanallah, every surah that is madani. Uh, there is a mention of hypocrites, the Munafiqeen. They were not in Mecca. So all the surahs that address the Munafiqeen, those are now surahs that are for under madani is the the one surah that is exempted from this is Surah Al Ankabut. Why? Because Surah Al Ankabut, even though it mentions the hypocrites, but that whole surah was revealed before the migration and is regarded as makki. So you can see, Subhanallah, that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has given certain characteristics in the manner because of the situation and because of the change in where they were as well, right? And then Subhanallah and the time period of the Muslims. In the Makkan surahs, now let's look at these, what, these characteristics, are not so frequent, but you do find them occurring. In the Makkan surahs, people have been generally regarded as Ya ayyuhannas. Allah addresses them as Ya ayyuhannas, O mankind. But in the Madani surahs, predominantly Allah is speaking directly to the believers and He says Ya ayyuhalladina amanu. So you will find. Most of the Meccan surahs, Ya ayyuhal nas while most of the Madani surahs, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu When you look at the Meccan surahs, generally they are short and the verses are generally short and concise, while the Madani surahs are long and quite detailed. Then if you look at the Meccan surahs, they generally look at Tawheed and the affirmation of the oneness of Allah, the Risala, the Prophethood, and the Akhirah, the year after. And Wal Ba'su the Maud, and the resurrection after death. So those are the predominant qualities of the Makki Surahs. But then, Subhanallah, there are very few commands in the, in the, in the Surahs in Makkah. Whereas, when you look at the Madani surahs, many of them are dealing with societal laws, social laws, family laws, injunctions, even the hudud of jihad, etc. Right? Now, so it's so fascinating because as the Muslims progress, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala focused his kalam and his words so that the Muslims can develop. Now, when you are reciting the Qur'an, you have to understand that the, the style of the Makkah Surahs is very different from the style of the Madani Surahs. In the style of the Makkah Surahs, it's very elegant. And it's, you know, it's there's a lot of similes if you love languages like I do, and you know, you, as you read it, you will notice that Allah says, There are similes, there are metaphors, there are, you know, so many parables. Allah uses a very extensive, a very large uh, uh, vocabulary. And why is this? It's simply because when Allah was speaking, so the, so the consistency of the way Allah speaks is the same throughout the Qur'an. But the manner of address from them in the Makkans surahs is so elegant because the people of Makkah they were people of poetry they were people of of, of language and then when Allah speaks to them in 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 post immigration and He speaks to the Madanis, although the style is completely the same and Allah now speaks in a very simple style so Subhanallah. You know, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is discussing and He's speaking about His beautiful injunctions, the, the difference of the environment and the difference of the addressees, Allah takes all of this into consideration, subhanAllah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to understand that he, the Quran has never had any inconsistency. But look at the manner that Allah is taking into consideration who is listening. And this is such an incredibly incredible miracle of the Quran because it's so difficult sometimes to look at who who you are speaking to, and a Quran that is speaking to me and you and we and not from the people of Mecca or Medina, subhanAllah. And yet the style speaks to us as well in this day and age. Beloved listeners, as we prepare for the rehab, for the welcoming of our beloved month of Allah, the month of the Quran, inshallah, every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoon here at Hayatun Tayiba on Radio International, we will be discussing different, different aspects of the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, building our tools and gaining a closeness as we prepare to welcome Welcome this beautiful month. Jabakallah Khair for joining me today on Hayatun Tayyibah. Barakallah Fikum. Please keep me and my family in your du'a. Assalamu alaikum. Wa rahmatullahi wa